0: Romeo Aquara currently is a defensive end for the NFL's Detroit Lions. Prior to this, he played college football at Notre Dame and signed with the New York Giants as an undrafted free agent in 2016. Born June 17, 1995, Romeo stands 6'5 and weighs 270 pounds. But as we'll discuss in this episode, when it comes to Aquara, there's more than meets the eye. He moved to the United States from Nigeria with his family in 2005, and he played organized football for the first time a year later. But his lack of experience resulted in him being cut from the team. During his childhood, Romeo's parents stressed the importance of education to him and his siblings, so much so that during the recruiting process, he would not entertain interest from colleges whose academic reputations did not meet his standards. And the one thing he rarely leaves home without is his camera. Off the field, he indulges his creative side and enjoys traveling the world. You're listening to the Leadership Under Fire Optimizing Human Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Patty Murphy. Romeo, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for making the time to be here. I know you have a busy schedule. So you're one of the very few players in the NFL who was not born in the United States. Do you think that your emigration to the U.S. from Nigeria gives you a different perspective than many of your NFL counterparts?
1: I'd say yes, because my life was kind of broken into two different parts. Um, I lived in Nigeria for 10 years, and I remember all of that. And I also remember moving to Charlotte and going to high school there and middle school. And um, I just remember just growing up, um, my parents kind of instilled a lot of values in me that um, are still here like to this day and have gotten me um, where I am, mm-hmm. just simple things like respecting your elders, working hard in school, and just caring yourself in a way that they would be uh, proud of. So I think, I think those, a lot of things I learned uh, growing up in a different country, and just the things I was surrounded with, things I got to see, things you take for granted uh, living over here in this country, um, definitely opened my eyes.
0: Were there any challenges for you that you had to overcome?
1: I wouldn't say so because I was, I was young enough to where I could kind of like blend in. Mm. Um, I was obviously that new kid from Nigeria. No really know what to do with me um, when I was in middle school. I still had a little bit of an accent. Kids make fun of, me, fun of me there. But overall, I wouldn't say it was that much of a challenge coming here.
0: Okay. After you graduated from high school in Charlotte, North Carolina in 2011, you signed to play football at Notre Dame. You arrived in South Bend as a freshman, turned 17 and managed to play in every single game that year for the Irish, including the national championship game against Alabama. What was it like to compete at that level on the national stage every week with a number one team that was unbeaten until the loss to Alabama?
1: Man, I mean, that was an incredible experience, especially for it being my freshman year. Um, my introduction to college football, being surrounded by all those great players and great coaches, they definitely um, set a standard for what it what it meant to be a Notre football player going forward for me in my next three years there. But just seeing the culture, the culture of winning, um, winning was something I definitely got addicted to. <laughs> <Fair>. <laughs> I mean, we won our first our first twelve games there, and obviously lost in the national championship. But we still learned a lot throughout, the, throughout that season. We had a lot of ups and downs, a lot of tough games. that we had to work through a lot of different things to get the win. Um, so I definitely learned a lot that season. It was an incredible experience. Obviously, uh, that was the year people labeled Notre Dame coming back. That was the first trip to the national championship since 1988. So it was a really special year for me and uh, everyone on the team. Uh, it was definitely an incredible experience.
0: Fast forward on the timeline a little bit. As I mentioned in the intro, you were signed by the New York Giants as an undrafted rookie in 2016 and spent two seasons playing for them. Then last season, the Giants cut you from their roster just prior to the first game of the season. How do you feel about that?
1: I mean, at the time, I was definitely upset (laughs) at the end of the day. um, I decided to pick it back up. Um, Obviously, the, the Lions picked me up the next day. And it was you had to just kind of erase everything that was up in the past. You can't you can't really lag on what happened. I just moved forward and um, brought everything I had and gave everything I got when I got to Detroit. And it was definitely a change of change of scenery. I mean, New York City is a big city. Um, Detroit's known as Motor City. It's kind of like a industrial blue collar town. Mm-hmm. So that was definitely really different. Something I definitely appreciated. People love to work hard in that city. And um, so just overall, I, I I didn't really kind of think too much about it. Uh, at the end of the day, it's a it's a business. I mean, that happens every day in this league. All you gotta do is just move on and kind of kind of try to get better.
0: Right. As you mentioned, the next day, the Detroit Lions claimed you via waivers. You played in 15 games with 15 starts and finished the season with 39 combined tackles a team-leading 7.5 sacks, and a forced fumble. Recently, you signed a two-year contract extension with the Lions. Congratulations. Thank you. What did you learn about competition last year? And most importantly, what did you learn about yourself?
1: I learned a lot about myself. Um, last year was the first year I was able to play um, a full a full season, starting at least um, uh, in the professional football league. Um, and... It was incredible just being able, um, just kind of take, just, I remember like playing every game in college. The way you prepare is different. When you get to the professional level, you have to be extra, 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 like kind of critical in the way, um, you prepare for a game. Uh, whether it's through practice, film, uh, what you do when you get back home, how you eat, what, how you take care of your body. Mm-hmm. Um, cause a lot more is at stake. I mean, every single game matters when you get to the league. Um, and, it, and it's your job, so I think uh, just from competition-wise, it was just it was incredible being able to go each and every week and compete against the best people at their job in the world. Um, that was definitely incredible. I love competition, and throughout the year, I think we just we learned a lot of, about ourselves uh, as a team just from the wins we got and the different the losses we had. I mean, we had we had really good wins wins against some really good teams. And then we lost. We had some losses that we thought we should have won. Mm-hmm. Um, and we find we could have won if we changed a couple different things, uh, just the way we prepare for a game. So I, I learned uh, it's kind of what it takes to win. So that was that was what I kind of took out of that season.
0: I do want to dissect your preparation and your recovery <laughs> methods in a yeah. moment. But first, your younger brother, Julian, Followed in your footsteps to Notre Dame and will be returning this fall for his senior season as a defensive yeah. end for the Fighting Irish. It is likely that he will be gone by the end of the first round of the 2020 NFL Draft. What's your relationship like with him, and do you share any advice?
1: Yeah, I mean we're close, and we've. Be- I just I think we've become close over the years, especially after him um, kind of following my footsteps and going to the University of Notre Dame. He, it's, it's been really fun watching him because we've never really been on the field together or been at the same school together uh, while we were growing up, especially when we're playing sports. So I've been kind of watching his career from afar. I've been able to attend a couple of games uh, every year, but it's just, it's just so much fun watching how focused he is and how determined he is because he also has a dream uh, to play in the National Football League. And it's just been really fun just seeing him grow. Whenever he has questions, he knows he can come to me. Uh, I'm not the one, I'm not bothering him every single day. You got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this. He knows, I mean, he's he's mature enough to where, where he knows um, if he needs anything, come to me, ask me anything, I'm always here for him. But day to day, we just kind of talk about just general brother things. I mean, nothing too crazy.
0: Okay. <laughs> Which players in the NFL or sport in general do you admire most and why?
1: Well, um... I admire a lot of players, a lot of athletes. Um, I think there are a lot of, there have been a lot of great athletes uh, throughout the years, but certain players that they kind of stick out. I mean, I think everyone kind of agreed they kind of stand out to them in terms of just being the greatest. I think, uh, Kobe's of the world, Michael Jordan's, Muhammad Ali's of the world. I mean, those players kind of stand out to me and those kind of players I've always, uh, People have always kind of looked up to. You want to strive to be the best. I think you got to kind of watch and try to emulate the best. And those players in their game, um, they're kind of fearless. They want to compete and when they want to be on the field, on the court or whatever in the ring, in those, uh, those big moments where they have to make a certain play, they have to, she have to shoot the last uh, shot to win the game or make a last sack to, uh, kind of send your team off and, off in the wheel or whatever. Just, I'd say those great players uh, that just kind of stick out, I take a lot from those guys.
0: Got it. I like the term fearless. Yeah. <laughs> so going back to your preparation for games, what does your physical preparation entail?
1: Oh, boy. You're going to uh, be here a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, obviously a lot of just, like, weightlifting, conditioning, Throughout the throughout the week, is in there season anything and off season.
0: outside of the box that people would be surprised to hear you think about your your physical preparation?
1: Uh, outside of the box, I'd say last time I did something that's kind of outside of the box for me. Um, I, I worked with a Navy SEAL out in Vegas, and we did a lot of exercises that I'd never done before. We did we, we practiced a lot of the Wim Hof method if you've ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did a lot of training in pool. Different breathing exercises was like work, walking on the water, walking underneath the pool with like weights in my hands and like holding a breath as I swam across the pool. People were, it was funny because we was at like a local community pool in Las Vegas. So people were probably like looking at us really, really (laughs) weird and like wondering what we were doing. But I'd say that was, that was one of the most different, different uh, types of training I've done. Mm -hmm. And obviously I, I thought it definitely helped me. In what way? It was, it was just different because Cause during moments of that, like, we'd start off, like, warming up with just, like, just breathing. Like, we'd breathe for, like, five minutes and I'd start sweating. And just the way we did it. So, like, different, uh, during different times of, um, training where I'm warming up or just walking around on the field, I could, I could be doing those exercises without anyone else knowing. Uh, but I, I definitely do those breathing, practice those breathing techniques. And also some of those breathing techniques kind of, like, help calm you down, too. So, where does in between a game, during a really stressful moment or, a critical moment, um, I can just kind of think back and just start breathing just to calm myself down. Mm-hmm.
0: So you're tapping into your mental preparation. Yeah, And I absolutely. wanted to unpack that as well. So what do you do to prepare mentally?
1: Mentally, um, obviously watching a lot of film and just training my mind for what I'm going to see on Sundays. I practice a lot of mindful breathing, do, do a lot of yoga, whereas just by myself, we're in a studio. Yeah, I'd say those are the things I generally do in terms of mental.
0: And then what about recovery? We can't forget about that.
1: <laughs> recovery, I mean, the recovery is like that's that's goes from whatever you put in your body, just what you what you eat, just make sure I eat right. I mean, there occasionally you have the cheat days. But recovery wise, where it's going to the cold tub, as much as I hate the cold tub and being in the cold water, you have to do it. I'm over hot tub guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have like sensory deprivation tanks at our facilities which is obviously just, it's a different type of training that some people don't think of we have we use cryotherapy with our stretching massages all across the board there's different things we kind of do um, we have a great great staff in our training room that kind of they, they, their job is to take care of our bodies and do, they do an incredible job
0: what about sleep?
1: Oh yeah, sleep is <laughs> sleep is very important. It's something I need to do more of. But yeah, um, especially during the season, I'm getting at least like eight to nine hours of sleep. Is mm-hmm. definitely really important.
0: Good to know. <laughs> so Jason Bresler, the founder of Leadership Under Fire, and several members of the LUF team often refer to you as a renaissance man. Oh lord. <laughs> In addition to establishing yourself in the NFL, your interests include international travel, art, vintage cameras, and photography. Am I missing anything?
1: Uh, I don't. I don't know. Um, You know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but those are some of my interests. I'd say.
0: (laughs) I hear something about typewriters.
1: Typewriters, yeah, Um, yeah. I have a couple. I have three typewriters as of now. Probably can get more in the future. I think they're beautiful machines.
0: And do you actually correspond with anybody by sending them a typewritten letter? Oh, of course.
1: Yeah. Yeah, of course. I mean, I send sometimes it's just friends, thank you notes, um, letters to people for whatever reason. I don't know. I enjoy, I, I enjoy using typewriters. It kind of takes away from that. I don't know. I don't necessarily like using technology all the time, mm-hmm. at least like digital type technology. and. Typewriter is just, just like a piece of paper and a machine that helps you put words on a piece of paper, and it's like it's just simple as that. Like it, you don't have, really have to think about anything except like what you're physically trying to do. I don't know. I just like the experience when I'm typing a typewriter and I'm hearing the keys and I hear the bell ring and I have to move to the next line. I don't know. There's something about it that I like.
0: What do you think you gained from that sort of experience, <sighs> or do you just enjoy it for what it is?
1: That and like, I think. Analog experiences kind of bring something different to the table. I mean, I remember like, like nowadays, like everything's like touchscreen and like, even like controlled by your eyes sometimes or just movement sometimes. I don't know. I like, like I miss, like I feel like we miss buttons, like just pressing something and like seeing it react. Um, and typewriters kind of g- uh, give me that um, effect, I guess, mm-hmm. or a little bit of that effect. Um. And I also love the way it looks. I mean, there's something cool about a typewritten letter.
0: And you also are very passionate about photography. Yeah. So can you tell me when that started?
1: Um, Photography. I've always been interested in just visual. I've always loved like just looking at images, Uh, anything visual, whether it's moving or still. I love. I used to shoot more like film type stuff, and when I say film, it's just like me and my friends goofing around on trips or whatever we're doing. But I picked up a 35 millimeter millimeter camera i think my rookie year i've always wanted like a leica m6 finally made enough money to buy one (laughs) and i bought one my rookie year and it kind of changed everything for me um shooting film uh was definitely something that was new uh it was magical my first like five roles were completely blank and blurry Mm. and when i first got that like that real image i was like wow this is incredible just just from the process of shooting it and not having to think about it and waiting for an image and waiting for your results to come back from the lab and seeing that image and sometimes you forget what you took and it's kinda of like a surprise right. like gift every single time. Uh you get that email that you're you're uh rigging print already or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um so it's really cool. Um photography kinda of added this thing to me. Um I've always I wish I I got in like really, really into it when I was in college because there's a lot of like moments I wish I had, like captured. Mm-hmm. From just from when I was in school or growing up or whatever. Um, it's kind of just like a way to like freeze time mm-hmm. and and just be able to look look back at it and appreciate it. Like I was talking, uh, I think one of the fire, firefighters yesterday, and they mentioned that one of the things uh, people miss or ask for immediately after the fires, after losing right. everything, is like, what have, where are the photos? Did you, were you able to get, keep in the photos? So I thought that was really interesting mm-hmm. out of all the things you have in your home. Um, People value the photos the most.
0: In recent years, you've spent a considerable amount of time with members of the FDNY's Rescue Company 2 in Brooklyn. What have you gained from observing the company and what insight have you gained specifically as it pertains to human performance? And then I want to go back to your photography. I'm not going to let that one go.
1: (laughs) Um, I think it's been really incredible and eye-opening spending time with those guys. I don't think people will necessarily really appreciate Uh, What they do. Obviously, I think people do appreciate what FDNY does um, for New York City and all over the country, but just being there and seeing it uh, face-to-face, just what they have to go through. Um, I've done a couple or multiple 24-hour tours with them, and I can't even keep my eyes open, but they're expected to be alert at all times of the day because anything can happen at any point of the day. So... um, I think they're like modern; they're superheroes. I mean, people refer to athletes as like the gladiators of our, our time or whatever. But I see those guys; they they they're running into fires and rescue and rescuing people um, from these traumatic situations, and just being able to sit there in the in the building and hear those stories and go on those runs with them uh, just been really eye opening.
0: And you've been given access to taking photos of members of the fdny so what is it that you're and so this is why i went wanted to go back to the photography because the first time we met actually was at sebastian younger's bar the half king Mm -hmm. the night before it closed and i think i borderline interrogated you (laughs) on the spot why why do you (laughs) love photography what are you trying to do so what are you trying to capture you know especially with the fdny but then outside of that
1: yeah. So uh, I met Jason when he came and spoke to our team when I was with the Giants and I was hurt at the time and he invited me to come out to the firehouse just to just to hang out once like uh, one afternoon. And I went over there and he told me the, the history of the building, um and the a lot of traditions and uh the different people who've who've come in, in the, and out of that building. In rescue 2, rescue two on Bergen Street. Yeah. And I drew a lot of parallels just especially through, like, to Notre Dame and the history and tradition uh, that went through that building. And then he told me they, they were building a new, like, state-of-the-art facility uh, down the street in Bed-Stuy. And they didn't know what was going to happen to this building. And just being in there, there's so much character and history. Um, it's a, such a humble little building in uh, Bed-Stuy that has so much character. And I just, the first thing I could think of just in terms of, Preserving this historic building was to take pictures. Um, so I, I sent him a letter, and asked them if I could just like I didn't I didn't I didn't really know what I, I was like. Can I just take pictures of this like of you guys like on the job, whatever, just in your space? And it's kind of developed into something, um, and other things from there. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I wanted to do originally, just to kind of just find a way to preserve um, their memories in that building and providing them something physical for them to carry with um, whenever they move out of there.
0: And same, I guess, for anywhere else that you go, places that you visit. It's just creating a historical record.
1: Yeah, yeah, that. And um, I also just love images. Uh, I love looking at pictures. I have a lot of photo books all from my apartment. And yeah, I, I'd say at the end of the day, it's just having a historical record and just kind of preserving someone's uh, idea of memory or memory or something.
0: Do you have any other artistic abilities we should know about?
1: Oh man, um, are you
0: musically inclined?
1: I play. I I'm learning a couple instruments. I wouldn't say I'm incredible or, any, or like super talented at any of those, but I'm. I, I enjoy learning. I love music, and I enjoy like actually trying to play these instruments that some of my favorite musicians play, and it just. I think it just gives you a better appreciation for it when you're actually trying to do it, and I don't know. It's also fun and relaxing.
0: Do you think your artistic interests make you a better athlete?
1: I'd say so. Um, I think just being able to have multiple interests aside uh, outside of the sport is definitely really healthy. I think because football can be consuming. And just having a a way to kind of skip or just just join the two in some type of way um, is always really exciting. Um, Just gives you a a different perspective into it.
0: You attended the recent Leadership Under Fire Human Performance Summit in Annapolis, Maryland, and you served as the team's photographer for the (laughs) event. Thank you very much. Which guest performance leader resonated with you the most and why?
1: They were all incredible, incredible speakers. Um, I got a lot of that, a lot from that event. But I'd say the person that most stood out was Dr. George Bonanno. Yeah, I think I'm saying his name right. Um, he spoke a lot. I think he he does research at Columbia mm-hmm. on resilience as it relates to traumatic events and, and, lo- and loss, I believe. And just watch him speak about resiliency and especially the way people think about it and, Just mentally, I think we're trained to think a certain type of way, uh, from when we're young, onto wherever we are now. And he just kind of gave me just gave a different perspective about it, and just the way you think about resiliency. And I think uh, more people are are more resilient than they think they are, and and I think that definitely parallels uh, in sports or. Any aspect of life you're dealing with, when you have to deal with any type of adversity, I think we're built to last and deal with multiple, multiple types of stress and trauma and whatnot. And we can always overcome anything, even if we think we can't.
0: One thing relating back to your photography and then we'll move on. (laughs) Immediately following the summit, you traveled to Manhattan and met with several prolific photographers who critiqued your work. I think it's telling that even though you're largely an NFL defensive end by trade, as an amateur photographer, you took the initiative to seek out the opinions of several of the best in the business. What is your mindset when it comes to learning?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I see myself as a lifelong learner. Whatever I'm interested in or try to get into, I try to do it at the highest level possible or give my arm to it at the very least. And just being able to get feedback from the best in the world was definitely uh, really important to me. Um, I learned a lot about, uh, just because I, I picked up, I basically just picked up a camera and just started shooting. I didn't take any classes or anything like that. I just kind of learned as I shot. So just being able to get a different set of eyes all my work and get some good criticism it was incredible. I mean, that's what I get each and every day at practice, just being able to tell, oh, you're doing this wrong, you're doing this right, uh, you need to work on this. It was a lot of you're doing this wrong, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I want to hear because uh, that's the only way you can really improve. So I thought that was really important, and I think, I, I, I think learning and just being open uh, to criticism is really important.
0: Absolutely. It's hard for some people, especially artists sometimes, to deal with feedback if it's yeah. not... <laughs> Positive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think feedback is really important. I mean, you can't, I don't think anyone should think of themselves in any type of way where they can't um, get feedback from anyone or at least just listen and be able to take something out of it if you're not taking, like, the whole, if you're not taking everything, like, um, really literal, uh, at least be able to take something out of it.
0: And I would imagine that being involved in sports gives you a little bit of a thick skin. Yeah. You know how to navigate <laughs> Real criticism versus constructive criticism.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, coaches aren't always easy with their words.
0: <laughs> so you're just 24 years old. Yeah. <laughs> You've already experienced and accomplished so much. What does the future hold for you? Um,
1: I, don't, I don't think I've accomplished a whole lot. I mean, there's a lot of things, um, a lot of goals in mind that I've kind of just like just in terms of going to college, uh, receiving a degree. Making the NFL, uh, those are just like starting steps. I mean, I I see there's a lot more things I I I want to accomplish, and but in the future also I also I don't really have like a definite idea. of This is what I want to do. I don't really have any definite ideas. I'm kind of like a fl- very fluid person. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always open to different things and. You never know what's going to come up today or tomorrow or what you're going to learn today or tomorrow or whatever. I'm always open to just learning and just I just want to take in as much knowledge as possible about everything, really.
0: You travel a lot. Yeah. What <laughs> draws you to travel and see the wider world?
1: Yeah, I think traveling is really important, especially for me, just in terms of just seeing uh, other people's human experience. I think we can get so close-minded I know also also not everyone's fortunate to be able to travel, but I think if you're able to, I think it's important to be able to just see the world and see, um, especially just through other people's eyes as much as you can. Because uh, when I travel, I usually just like, I'm not staying at some fancy resort. I'm I'm in the I'm walking around the streets with my camera or whatever, or just just meeting people, talking to people, and uh, just kind of immersing myself in someone else's uh, culture and experience. I think it's just really important. I mean, some of my best moments or the best, like, memories I have is just just being in some random country, some random place and just thinking, like, like, how did I even get here? What am I even doing here? But I'm just really glad I'm here at, at this moment. Like, you'd never, like, I could never, like, plan out, like, think, well, like, I, I'm going to be in this in this situation, but I just kind of find myself in the situations and I think that just came with traveling and just being open to to other people's experiences
0: yeah it definitely broadens your mind but humbles you at the same time absolutely absolutely you speak to so many different peoples from so many different walks of life obviously yeah. what is it about leadership under fire that strikes you as being unique and perhaps important
1: yeah i think um lead- leadership on the fire is really incredible Um, i think leadership especially just from like just from seeing the way the firefighters work and and uh, after meeting Jason, seeing how he operated, I can, t- I can kind of take a lot of things out of that just from, in terms of my occupation, being able to handle those like moments of stress or of or just like really intense moments and just seeing how they deal with that on a daily, day-to-day basis, um, just very consistently, um, I can definitely take a lot, a lot from that.
0: Well, you get to hear a lot of different perspectives, obviously. That's yeah. one of the things that I like the most about the
1: team. I mean, I see a lot of parallels especially too to a lo- to like our locker room because there's a lot of personalities in that building uh, as I've come to learn. <laughs> and which is also the same way in the, in our locker room. I mean, we have a ton of personalities. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. was the best at every level they were playing in high school, college, and um so just being able to mix uh mm-hmm. different people from, different walks of life into into one little locker room uh, it definitely get to learn a lot and take a take a little bit from everybody
0: ultimately what do you want people to take away from hearing what you've experienced and what you have to share with others?
1: I'd say overall just being being open just being open just being open and just being able to take something out of anything um I think one of the best things that people do is just being able to be able to change your mind like just having an open mind and just being able to just like change your mind because i think a lot of people are very closed-minded and don't really care for the opinions of others or hearing why people think certain certain ways even if it like even if you don't agree with it at least being open and just listen and just hear so i'd say that's what i want people to take away
0: well i think i accomplished that today i'm so happy to have (laughs) spoken to you and heard what you have to say. So thanks for being here. Thank you. Support is provided in part by Conway Shield. Conway Shield is one of the few companies led by a president who has saved a life at the threat of his own. Paul Conway serves with a relentless firefighter mentality like his brother and father before him. Founded in 1985, Conway Shield manufactures America's finest helmet shields while arming firefighters and law enforcers with products Paul Conway himself would trust in the line of fire. Leadership Under Fire, optimizing human performance podcast listeners, can receive a 10% discount site-wide using the code LUF. More at ConwayShield.com.